the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I want to talk about love today and about money. I think there's a lot of things that are going to shape your life. Obviously, going to college. Well, let's start with getting born and having parents that love you and support you. We live in a trophy nation where, you know, even finishing 17th gets you a trophy, finishing first gets you a trophy. Um, you're going to be shaped a lot by your environment. You're going to be shaped a lot by your parents. Uh, college, it's going to be the first time probably that you really ever have been on your own, and you're going to see things that you've never seen before. You're going to learn that you have to do laundry. You're going to also figure out, like, whoa, this is pretty expensive. I better figure out what I'm going to do and why am I taking this science fiction literature class if I really want to be a veterinarian or an engineer. And my decisions I make in college are going to affect my career. Now, fortunately, we're living longer, which means sometimes if you mess up, you can go back to college and still have a long career. But we'll get to that a whole other day. Obviously, buying a car. We live in a uh, society obsessed with new cars. I think that's silly. Um, I've had just as much fun on road trips and inside the car um, with a 2-year-old, 5-year-old, 10-year-old car as I have with a brand-new car. And I just think our mentality has to change a little bit there because it's expensive. If we live in as competitive a nation as we think it is, and it's going to continue to be, we need to change our attitudes towards things like brand new cars and homes. People are willing to accept, instead of a big old Mac mansion these days, they're willing to downsize pretty aggressively into a home as long as we can go out and have a nice experience with the money that we're saving. Obviously, we're living longer, so retirement is going to need to be funded more. We used to say somewhere between you know, 7 and 10 times your income would be a nice retirement number to start. Again, then you get into budget issues, and you get into spending issues, and you get into emergency issues, um, health, inheritance. But now we're saying 10 to 20. I want you to have 20 times if possible. But one of the issues that we don't talk about much enough on the show is love. And we can talk about the millennials and how they're waiting longer 
and how they don't think that you have to be in love at age 20 and settle down and marry. They kind of feel, hey, maybe I'll get to know my body and, and get to kind of figure out you know, what I'm really looking for in a partner and then get that partner before the biological clock runs out, per se. I have a friend that did just that. So falling in love fiscally is something that I want to talk about a little bit. You've fallen in love with a person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And maybe you're going to make them your wife, your husband, what have you. Most people make money instead of simply trading hours for dollars. I want to try to show you how to put your money to work for you because you're really good at making money at this point in time of your life. So one of the big mistakes that couples are going to make when they fall in love is first and foremost, before we get to the couples, we're going to look at our grandparents and go, that's what I think of love. That's what I think of, you know, retirement. That's what I think of, you know, my grandparents had my father and my mother and, you know, they had me and, you know, we're a big family. So you're going to have these predetermined images and that may not be realistic. Um, I'm not going to say America was easier then. Uh, I'm going to say maybe there's some more opportunities for all people. So a lot of us look at our parents and our grandparents, and we either want to be like them or we don't want to be like them. My father was a smoker. My father was an alcoholic. And most of us chose, okay, I'm not going to smoke, or I'm not going to be in the military, or I'm not going to do this. He wasn't the best father. So we kind of make decisions on yes or no sometimes. So how our parents invested and how our you know, grandparents invested, you know, I've got grandparents in my family that bought a farm and put an oil well on the farm and, you know, became a big player in avocados in Southern California um, and, you know, did really nice. But probably the best thing they did was buy land that ultimately everyone built around it for the next 60 years. Um, So I'm not going to say it was luck or dumb luck, but I'm going to say it was fortuitous that they did it that way. Uh, As far as the investment angle, Okay, not great. Uh, same thing with my father. The best thing that he did was join the military. He wasn't the smartest guy. He was pretty smart, but uh, he wasn't going to go out and be an entrepreneur. And, you know, he put his time in the military, 30-plus years, and he got a great pension. Um, he got to see the world. He got to be trained on a skill that he used for five to ten years after he left the military. So rose up to the rank of colonel, which they say he would have made general, but he was too much of a, a Richard too much of a jerk, and uh, I kind of think I inherited that from him, if you know what I mean. I tried to pitch a national show, and it just wasn't going to happen in large part uh, because I'm not a screamer, but I could say incredibly mean and nasty things to people. You know, part of the national show is I was going to go into people's houses and look at their shoe closet and just laugh at people and go, I can't believe you've got a 400 pair of Manola Blahniks. That's ridiculous. You know that men don't look at feet. We don't know what your shoes look like ever. Um, so why are you putting fancy clothes on your feet? Um, and, and in the end, they wanted me to scream. They wanted me to be uh, like one of those kitchen guys, Gordon Ramsay. And I was like, I'm just not going to do it. I've got some pride. So a couple mistakes that that couples will make is once they get married, they'll stay in that love phase for a little bit too long, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I'm just saying 
you also have to start getting realistic. You don't want to procrastinate. And you also don't want to get bad advice because two people could bring in one person gets has bad advice. Like my parents had annuities. You know, my parents had whole life insurance. You don't need whole life insurance and you don't need annuities, especially in a low interest rate environment. But with the high cost and high fees and with the Department of Labor putting in rules saying like, hey, annuities probably aren't in your best interest. And unless you could justify it, we're going to shut you down, advisor. So hopefully they get the way of the dodo bird. I don't think they will, but it's something to think about. So young couples will sometimes bring in bad advice from their parents. Just know that. My advice is when you're newly married is start a budget. And there's great websites out there like mint.com. There's uh, start a budget and review it. And maybe once every two months, three months. It doesn't have to be monthly. But start seeing where you're making just massive tragic mistakes like too much in restaurants or too much in alcohol or too much in vacations. Uh, your budget should have a area that you can review that says, I'm putting 10 to 15% of my money into retirement savings because I love you. And I want to spend my ages 60 to 100 with you in some sort of dignity, um, in some sort of lifestyle quality. So you do want to get a budget. And when you talk with your sugar booger, your loved one, your spouse, uh, your husband, your wife, uh, your penguin forever, don't do it with alcohol. I think that's one of the first mistakes people make when dealing with their financial future is that they procrastinate. And then when they do it, they may do it in the evening after a tough day at work. Um, they may, you know, again, bring in some of their parents' baggage and some, you know, I have to be right. It has to be a compromise. I learned many, many years ago in life there is no right answers. Uh, you look at presidential policies, you look at economics, you look at uh, well, I guess in math there's right answers, in spelling there's right answers. But when dealing with another person in a relationship to relate, you have to learn that there's no right answers. There's just compromises. Anyway, we're going to talk love and money. We're going to talk investing. We're going to talk marriage. We're going to talk uh, wedding day costs, wedding day gifts, whatever I can figure out to chit-chat with you about today. You can find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I want to talk, me personally, today, this segment, this hour. A lot about weddings. I see it as one of the biggest tragedies that people get into. That first marriage where they dump a lot of money into it. I want you to be in love and I want it to work out for you. But I see a lot of people, you know, getting a little overexcited. And, you know, the perfect day. I think you want to remember the perfect day. I don't think you want to pay for it forever. 
Um, I've been to weddings where you can just tell everyone's stressed, and you're just like, what a waste of money. The average cost of a wedding is $32,641. Since last, oh gosh, gosh, four or five years, it's up about five, $6,000. To keep in mind that the median household income in the United States is about $54,000, which basically we do the math, and I'll do it for you, means that we're spending more than 50% of our annual income on the wedding. So you're going in debt. Where you live makes all the difference, of course. Getting married in Manhattan, San Francisco, or L.A. is going to cost you a good eighty to ninety to hundred thousand dollars. Eh, getting hitched in Alaska, seventeen thousand dollars. Potentially eloping might be the way to go. Um, I got married in my early thirties, and it didn't last long. And I look back now, and I go, "Thank God, I didn't spend a lot of money on that," or "Thank goodness." Um, what we did was we went to Hawaii and then we came back and had a party at a really nice restaurant for our friends. And that was nice. Uh, it didn't work out, but also I didn't end up paying for it while I'm paying for the, uh, uh attorney, but I'm not going to go negative on you here. Okay. So I'm not going to go negative. Um, the most expensive part of wedding continues to be the reception at about $14,788. The engagement ring is a distant second at $5,800. Brides are spending more on their dress, pulling in almost $1,500 on cost. Not much drops in cost of weddings on a year-over-year basis. You're talking about maybe like party favors is where you can cut a little bit of money here and there. The veil, holy mackerel. Um, but there is a do-it-yourself era that's been happening, um, and I think that's a good thing. But again, when you go and you look at $32,000 as the average cost of a wedding, that should really scare you. And then there's hidden costs of weddings, like DJs, which they're never good. If you don't have a friend that's a DJ, find a friend that knows a friend who has a DJ. Um, the band, there's be hidden equipment costs. Uh, don't forget when you are shipping your, you know, announcements, there, there's a cost on the announcement itself, but there's also mailing costs. And depending on the size of the wedding, it can get a little out of hand. Um, and also, if you're just trying to send invites out to relatives who live far away, who aren't likely to make it, um, you're, you're running up your, your bill. So, and a lot of people don't think about that. Not only do you buy a wedding dress, but then if you simply rebuild it with a simple hem, or let's say your body's just not quite right and you're trying, you're still desperately trying to fit into it, you're talking about between 100 to 500 dollars in alterations. Uh, do not go over. You know, don't have a, a a wedding that starts late where your photographer or your videographer have booked you for a certain amount of time because they will charge you overtime. There's a lot of rental transports. So a lot of hidden fees in it. If you get married at a resort, um, you and your, your loved one get in for free, but all your guests pay to get into that resort usually and use the quote-unquote facilities. There's always going to be taxes and gratuities, and if you're in a, a resort type of area, they're going to be higher. So um, corkage fees, cake cutting fees, 
So I'm just throwing it out there that if you don't like, for instance, even like with some resorts, if you don't use their caterer or their florist, their preferred pros list, usually it costs you an extra 20% more. So the day is going to run up costs on you, and it's going to get out of control. $32,000 is a lot of money. I'm not surprising anyone when I say that. But when you're talking about in seven years, then it's going to be 64. Um, and in seven years from that, 32 becomes 64, and 64 becomes 128, and 128 becomes 256, and 256 becomes 512 roughly. So in those 7, 14, 21, 28, in the 30 years following your marriage, your 32000 would have become half a million dollars, which is a large chunk of most people's retirement. So strongly consider eloping. I'm not trying to ruin the wedding industry. <laughs> I'm just trying to say strongly consider it. Uh, you seriously don't have to do overkill. You don't have to do the bazooka on it. I think the next big thought that we have that we have to talk about with weddings is the prenup agreement or the postnup agreement. Is it true love or true greed? Um, I like premarital uh, conversations about money. I love the idea of a prenup agreement. If for nothing else, the simple things. It doesn't have to be about all your wealth. Now, again, if you're coming into marriage where, you know, your daddy's name is Helton or uh, Vanderbilt or, you know, something along those lines, of course there's going to be a lot of pressure from even your family to make sure that, you know, your loved one, even though you love her, that you get, you know, it signed. Um, I've got a friend who did a prenup that, you know, she married someone pretty wealthy. And they had a kid, and the marriage went to SHI right after that. And basically the prenup was a way for the family to give her 3% of a trust instead of 50%. Instead of paying for the kid's college, she's like, hey, you get 3% of a trust. And it wasn't a big trust. So they took money of their own. They funded the trust, so it looks like a lot of money. And it is a lot of money over a lifetime. But when you're getting 3% of a million dollars, you're getting $3,000 a year to raise a kid and send it to college. Ah. So some prenups are just downright bad. Don't do a prenup one month before your wedding. Do a prenup six months before your wedding. Uh, You don't want to look like you're coercing each other into signing it. And it doesn't, again, have to be about the millions of dollars. First and foremost, any bank account in your name, any bank account in her name, keep it that way until you're three years into the marriage, at least. So don't change the names on it because then it retains her value, is hers, yours is yours. Uh, but if you can't talk about this stuff and potentially deal a post-nup, there's something wrong with the marriage in the first place, and it's not going to last. I have a frying pan that if anyone ever took from me, I would... Like, that's my frying pan. I'm like, no, that's my mom's frying pan. She had it when she was a kid. It would upset me greatly. Anyway, we're talking love and marriage. We're talking prenups. We're talking weddings. Anything you want to talk about, drop me an email, Robert Rob Black Show. You can find me online at robblack.com. I think so. Let me check the email real quick.
Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. When you close your eyes, So I'm a big fan of cast iron cookware, and I suppose in the last segment we are talking a little bit about uh, prenups and postnups, and I didn't really get my full thought out on that, and I, I would like to, and my thought is is that a prenup we see in TV shows, J.R. Ewing's got $100 billion of oil money, and he falls for a floozy and loses half of it. It doesn't have to be like that. A prenup could be a great chance for you to sit down with your loved one before you get married and talk about things on how you handle money. Talk about, you know, how comfortable you are. Are you a saver? Are you a spender? Um, and I usually say start talking about that by using your parents' as examples. My dad was a spender. Um, and sadly, my mom wasn't a saver. My mom was someone who was forced into an allowance she raised six kids, and my dad gave her an allowance. Um, you know, so he would fund the family account out of his account, uh, which is ridiculous. But then again, maybe that's what worked for him. You know, I maybe I can't go out there and say for sure that I, I know everything. So uh, having a prenup, like um, I like cast iron cookware, I really, really do. Um, and I, my mother gave me her iron frying pan for when she was a child. And I remember breaking up with a girl post-college and, you know, this was the day and age where CDs rocked and rolled. And I probably had, we probably came into the relationship and started living together with probably 150 CDs each. And it turned into, and this is just horrible to say out loud at the end, like, that's mine. No, no, that's mine. Um, and it doesn't need to be like that. So it's just, and a prenup, like, I guess, I guess if I were to move into someone at age 20 now and I had a large CD collection, I'd, I'd put my names on it kind of thing, just in case it doesn't work out. But a prenup could be a lot of things. And like I said, uh, maybe you're going to decide like, Hey, I want you to stay home and make babies and. I know that entitles you to 50% of what I earn, and like I'm really good with that. And uh, if things don't work out, you know I'm going to split the 401k. Like California, it's pretty tough to screw someone over unless someone's stupid enough to say, "Go ahead, screw me over." Um, that's why divorce mediation works way much better in California than a divorce attorney. Um, if your spouse cheats on you with the, you know, the hottie at work, doesn't mean you get more money. Just means you're angry and doesn't mean you get more. So I wouldn't, you know, rack that up. But divorce attorneys are probably like, you know, throwing their Egg McMuffin at the the radio right now going, no, 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 no. Um, there's special circumstances. And it's right. It's a special circumstance. So just throwing that out there for you. So prenups, postnups, I don't think should be a bad thing. And it just tells me, again, if you can't talk about money, then you shouldn't be getting married. Because that's one of the basics that you're going to have to talk about in your life. So one thing that I, I do say once you are married is, you know, you're going to have to start cutting back on your lifestyle. You've got a great thing. You've got two salaries sometimes, then you start sharing rent or you start sharing, you know, a mortgage. Some people I know just stay with one car and that's great. You know, a gym membership for two might be cheaper than a gym membership for one. Um, 
but there's a lot of ways that, you know, when you're young and in the first five years of your marriage, you know, the passion should be pretty good. You probably don't need cable TV. If you're sitting at home watching cable TV and you're newly married, and uh, the passion's not good and there's a problem there. So try to cut down on your entertainment expenses. You know, later in life you'll want to do more entertainment. I get it. So stay at home and cook. Watch the movie Ghost, and if that doesn't make you all romantic and great googly moogly and bubbly and stuff like that, um, I don't know what will. I think once you're married, you now have an obligation to look at that other person and say things like, you know, I used to get a lot of Starbucks. I used to, you know, go out to lunch every day. And maybe I'm going to, you know, cut back a little bit, start saving a little bit more money so we could accomplish some goals together. So... You know, the wedding mo- the wedding's expensive, the honeymoon's expensive, children are expensive, uh, f- new furniture when you get a new house, new furniture when you get a new apartment is expensive. If it's one person taking care of another person, where let's just say it's the husband has the job and the wife decides to get pregnant, and uh, or the two of them decide to get pregnant and she gets pregnant, he may not realize that, you know, his health care costs are going to go up at work. Because it's no longer one person claiming health care, it's two and three. So know that. Hopefully before you have children, you can talk about issues along the lines of toys and clothes and furniture and education. Uh, For me, a a private high school is much, much more important than a private elementary school. Um, To me, plastic toys that are cheap have no value. And just because the kid wants it, I'd rather teach you know, let's let's go for quality in life and let's not go for quantity. So um, I think uh, what I'm trying to get at is as a family now, as a married couple, can you both be mature enough to decide on what you need and how much you can spend on it before you actually go out and shop? I think married couples should try to use a shopping list within reason. Um, and again, I think it's fine for you to have slightly separate bank accounts where if she wants to buy lingerie or shoes or, uh, I don't know, I was going to say cocaine, but that's not funny. If she wants to buy lingerie, shoes, or uh, get her nails done and the guy rolls his eyes like, why don't you do your own nails? And uh, But he wants to buy video games and Nikes and you know he's got his things. I have no problem with you keeping a slightly separate budget where you're both allowing each other $400 in whims or something like that. But you're going to fight if you don't figure this out. And fighting leads to divorce, and divorce is expensive. And the wedding was expensive. The honeymoon was expensive. Um, Just throwing it out there. So I think credit is something that very early in the marriage is something you're going to want to look at as well. Uh, Use credit only when it's necessary, when you're starting out. You may have that temptation to be sexy because my husband's so handsome. Um, or my wife is so pretty, I want to bring her, you know, roses every Friday. But if it's not in your budget, it's not in your budget. And you don't use credit cards to, you know, power that love. It's the power of love, um, in my opinion. You know, there are some perks like Spotify and Apple Music. You know, family accounts are cheaper than individual accounts. So look for things like that, but don't use credit or use credit only when it's necessary. Or use credit like I do and pay it off every month and get the perks. Um, right now, I've got some like 20,000 travel miles. Um, so I can go on a hell of a good trip. So 
Um, I've also gotten in the last three or four years probably about eight nine thousand dollars back just for getting that two percent back, um, and I haven't paid one credit interest charge at all. So, one of the things you could try to do to be successful as a marriage when it comes to money issues is try to understand, you know, is your partner impatient, i.e., they want it right now. If you can get last year's video game system, it's going to be cheaper than this year's video game system. If you can get a two-year-old car versus a brand new car, it's going to be a lot cheaper, and you're going to be able to buy a lot more and save a lot more. But you need to find out, is your partner impatient? Is your partner an impulse buyer? Does your partner get into debt? My dad died with debt. Um, I didn't know about it until essentially he died, to be quite honest with you. And my dad kept his bills on his desk, and um, he had credit cards, and no one really looked and looked at his mail, so kind of thing. So you're looking for someone that matches up with you. Um, I know a couple right now that they married in their mid-30s, and it was a first marriage for both, but she left a, she was a pretty highfalutin type, and she left a fiancé for this guy who was fun and loving and sweet. And then she found out after they're married um, that he's got about $150,000 of IRS problems. And this was eight years ago, and they make a kid, and slowly but surely, I, I think that money got paid down from her career and from some of her money coming into the marriage, because the IRS doesn't go away. But then he once was kind of a guy who worked at one of the old tech companies, you know, think something like a Yahoo or an Exodus or an Excite, um, a Pets.com, a web van. So he's up, getting up there in age now, and he's not quite the same tech worker that he used to be. Tech companies want young tech workers these days, not mid-40-somethings. Uh, they're cheaper, they have less health care, but they also have better skills typically. So guess what happens? He starts his own company, and they're both excited about it, and he hasn't earned money in seven out of eight years with his company. And they've got two kids, and I don't know if they're heading for divorce. I don't know if they're heading for a split. I don't know if they're going to win the lottery. But I can tell you that you know something as simple as not being able to sit down and plan with each other and not knowing you know their whole financial truth. I've said this before. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Not a sexual reference, but a reference to credit reports. And maybe even past taxes would be a pretty good idea. Or if you don't want to do past taxes, how about your Social Security? Go to ssa.gov, and you could show the person what you've made each year since you were 16 years old. Um, anyway, love and marriage, it's fun, right? You can find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. 
We're talking weddings. We're talking marriage. When it comes to wedding gifts, let's talk about that for uno momentero. Uh, money counts. Gifts counts. I say stick with the registry. Um, but when you're putting together your registry, for the love of whoever, don't put a spork on it. Half spoon, half fork. Don't get that kind of desperate. The average wedding guest is going to spend $127 on a gift for a family member and about $100 for a gift or a friend. Um, Weddings are expensive. I mean, it's expensive all the way around. It's expensive to be the dad, the mother, the the, the two people get married. It's expensive to be the guest. Um, But some things that you don't want to give... um, or some thoughts first and foremost is 37% of couples prefer gifts from a registry, followed by cash, 31%, gift cards, 13%. Just 5% want a gift that's not on the registry. Um, and if you do insist on going off registry, please, please get a gift receipt. But never, ever get a married couple a pet. Uh, for Jim and Pam's wedding on the office, Dwight gave the couple a turtle. Uh, gave the couple turtle boiling pots and turtle bibs to go along with live turtles. Uh, now, the turtles escaped, which was thankful, but, you know, that's a sitcom. It's not reality, but some people, are, they are like, they do try to come up with, let's get someone a new pet. They're an animal-loving couple. Um, don't get them anything monogrammed. Uh, it's tacky. I think monograms on, initials on guys' shirt. If I were a woman, that would eliminate him from being a, a husband or a father candidate right there. I think someone is, is, they're mentally ill if they initial, if they monogram their initials on their shirts. Um, don't get anything for, you know, monogram towels or anything. Don't get his, don't get her, don't get M for Mary, don't get F for Frankie, don't do it. If you want to stay away from gifts that are branded with his or hers or his and his or hers and hers, Couples have started their life together at their wedding ceremony, but it doesn't not need to be represented with shirts and bedding. So I think it's, again, what incredibly tacky. Try not to get anything traditional. Um, I think china, crystal, some of these tried-and-true forever items, unless the couple really, really wants them. Um, I know that it's tradition in a lot of people's world, but... Crystal and China and such takes storage space. And for a lot of people, they're not in their forever home yet. So trying to get them nice crystal that goes into a condo or an apartment just seems kind of stretched. Um, until they divorce and then they'll fight over who gets the gravy pot. Right? Try not to get a young couple or married couple exercise equipment. Um... Your intentions may be misconstrued. The bride has worked her butt off to get into that dress. And then suddenly you're giving them, you know, workout equipment. She'll she'll be offended. But on top of it, exercise equipment takes up space. Unless they're moving in that jumbo home that's got the jumbo basement. And they specifically want exercise equipment in their jumbo basement. Uh, not a good idea. I like the food related. I like the kitchen items on the registry. Uh, if you want to put together a healthy, nutritious gift basket by choosing some of the few gift items tied towards the kitchen, pairing it with some non-perishable healthy food items, great, lovely. But don't project what you want on them. 
Uh, self-help books, I think, are just dumb things to give as wedding gifts. I like ex- exercise, equipment, the gifting of self-help books could have good intentions, but, you know, focus on the experiences that they want to share together. Um, if the comp- couple lives in Portland or Seattle or uh, San Francisco, if you want, try to find something cool that they could do together, like a cooking class or a painting class or a couple's massage class. Um, but trying to impose what you love on them is not a good idea. And obviously home decor. So um, I'm not an Elvis on velvet kind of guy, but someone is out there. And last thing I want is Elvis on velvet. I'll take the dogs playing poker. I don't know where I'll put it, but I'll take it. Uh, a friend of mine loves the Golden Gate Bridge, and many years ago I made a mistake of giving him basically a $4,000, $5,000 painting. It's a pretty nice painting, um, and it's probably worth about 20000 now. So I gave him a good investment, but the painting had no place in his, his house, and he got rid of it. And I was like, oh, you're killing me. You should have offered it back to me kind of thing. But he came from overseas, and he was all about... Uh, all about that, uh, not that base, but he was all about that, uh, you know, I grew up in Europe, and the Golden Gate Bridge represents something amazing to me, and I know a painter who did a nice piece, and I, I thought I'd share. It was just a bad idea, because it just didn't fit. So, anyway. Um, houses and homes, we'll talk about that probably later, because, you know, Settle down. You just spent a ton of money on a wedding. You spent a ton of money falling in love and uh, flying around the world, going to Mexico, going to raves in New York. Um, you spent money on diamonds and such. Wait on the house and wait on the career. The career will tell you when to buy a house, not the year of marriage. Although some people you know, get married at 32 and the biological clock says, I want a baby by 35. So know that that might come in. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I want you to live large, and I want you to do tune-ups, though, on your finances. Um, And living large could be a lot of things, entertaining with no cash, Uh, keeping up with yourself, not the Joneses, Um, keeping family expectations and expenses at bay so you can carve out time for each other, Uh, cooking light, I think is always a good idea, um, a lot of people are in that impress each other phase early on. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You should be that I'm impressing you with saving 15% of my salary phase, in my opinion. We're talking love and marriage. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.